0: All right, so here we are, back again at the coffee place that we sit and talk, and, you know, we haven't said what our names are, and I don't think that's important, but it's kind of part of today's chapter, so we'll have to get into that. doesn't really matter who we are, but I suppose when I post this, I'm, I'll have to put some name down.
1: I think that would be a wise choice. So, uh... We
0: are people. But, uh, anyway, let me read. This is the um, Hendrick Thomas. Brill, by the way. Oh yeah, Brian Parks.
1: <laughs> the, Thomas Brill.
0: Uh, <laughs> hey, you got top Billing. But uh, not by choice. Yeah, this is uh, the Hendrix 1989 translation of Laozi's ching chapter three. By not elevating the worthy, you bring it about that people will not compete. By not valuing goods that are hard to obtain you bring about that people will not act like thieves. By not displaying the desirable, by not displaying the desirable, you bring it about that people will not be confused. Therefore, in the government of the sage, he empties their minds and fills their bellies, weakens their ambition and strengthens their bones. He consistently causes the people to be without knowledge and without desire. If he can bring it about that those with knowledge simply do not dare to act, then there is nothing that will not be in order. You know, even though we're not in that other room, I hear like a ton of noise yes. coming from that other room, so love will have to see how that works out.
1: The noisy room. So! We're all talking about the Tao in there. They're all excited about it. Yeah, yeah. We're just a couple of... Couple of lay people, yeah.
0: and not in a funny way. Okay, so anyway, the, the first line. What do you think?
1: Well, I think the first three lines, kind of, that, since they all go together, it's basically just the whole idea of uh, not being, you know, accepting things. I think without being too ambitious about whatever. Yeah. So, those are the most straightforward lines of the whole verse to me and I think there's still in any society pretty much well that's (laughs) I guess that's highly debatable I was going to say in any society that's usually considered let me put it this way I think it's considered a virtue in theory but I don't think it really works in practice in most in many societies yeah the idea of being uh, um not over-ambitious, of not being... Right, and, and I think, well,
0: because of the following lines, but, but also I, I think it is not speaking quite as much to the individual as it is the individual's impact on the greater society. Um, because it talks about how people will not compete, you know, and doesn't really talk about the individual by not valuing goods that are hard to obtain, the people will not act like thieves.
1: Sure, I think, uh, yeah, the society, like our society, absolutely elevates valuing goods that are hard to obtain. and Displaying the desirable and doing everything that they say you should that basically the Dow says you shouldn't do. It's what we do. Well, earlier
0: this week I was at the, uh, oh, Smart and Final over here. And then, you know, they sell wholesale to restaurants and places like that salt goes for about eight cents a pound wow and there was a time in history when that was the most valuable thing in the world was salt right and there was like wars fought over it and
1: people died and well the word salary is from the latin root sal for salt right so yeah get your daily salt and the whole, you know, at the royal dinner or whatever, the whole trick was to sit next as close as you could to the salt, which was at the center of the table with the king and the queen. Right. Yeah, all now, that kind of stuff. Right. So,
0: but, you know, the
1: eight cents a pound. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, the well, not if you buy it in those little round blue containers. It's still kind of expensive that way. But if you buy it by the twenty-five pound sack, yeah, cost you about a buck. Um. The. Um, the thing, the thing, is, it salt has you know two functions. One function is as a nutritional thing. You need a certain amount of salt in your diet, you know, especially if you live where you're going to sweat a lot. I guess, you know, they used okay. to have salt tablets in workplaces, and I'm not sure why they took those out. I guess too much salt is not a good thing, uh, or they'd rather have you buy Gatorade. Which is a lot more profit, because um, it's got a little sodium in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those salts you need to replace. That oh gosh, a salt tablet that costs almost nothing would not do the same. No, no, no. But so it has. You know that is a, a function. But your basic person just living out in the fields or whatever can live without salt. You know there's enough sort of ambient salt in the food that you grow and pick and whatnot. So it's mostly because it it improves the flavor of things and enhances and makes flavors sparkle. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of why it's a, a bad thing these days because all packaged foods are just well, tons of salt. Instead of tasting what like what they taste like, they taste like salt.
1: Okay.
0: Um, so, you know, all in all, you, you take this thing and it's intrinsic value, you know, is just so inflated to like, you know, where they fought wars over it, you know, because some places had a ton of it, and some places didn't have any of it, and it was a, you know, kind of an excuse to have war and, and you know, and, and trade, but it was also an excuse to have trade, which is also a good thing, so... And how are you relating that to the... Well, valuing goods so that people will not act like thieves, right? And so it's, okay. it's not that certain things don't have value beyond their molecules. You know, it, it's good for some things to have a little bit, but if it gets to the point where people are, you know, thieves, like, like diamonds. Diamonds are just rocks. But, you know, people will become thieves to steal them. Or... Uh, Well, (laughs) we won't say anything about trophy wives what they'll
1: do to get diamonds but um,
0: and then the thing about non-competition there again competition
1: kind of happens in nature are you now uh, talking about still the first three or the first first sentence oh okay oh people will not compete right okay so so people won't try to get to become the worthy if there's no if the worthy aren't elevated
0: yeah so the worthy I guess they are talking about people and not things right but they're worthy people like well like we have our whole celebrity culture you know right and then
1: everybody wants to be a star
0: but before that you know, the, the elevated people were always generals and kings and people like that.
1: And of course, Maybe politicians at, at one time.
0: Yeah. And of course, now we have a crossover. We have a celebrity running to be the most powerful person in the world, which I'm thinking is not a good thing. But anyway, aside from that, um, when people compete too much, then some people are left out that otherwise, you know, it, it, it seems a little a little harder to dice up. I mean, well, the
1: entire society is pretty much built on competition, and mm-hmm. the right. idea that competition will bring out the best. That's how you promote creativity. That's how you you know you have to let small business people do their thing and let them all compete and let the best ones bubble up to the top and that's the whole... That's, and then they become basically elevated and considered worthy if they succeed. So that's... Right. A, our whole society is kind of based on the opposite of what he's talking about here. Right. But it, but does it work?
0: I mean, it works
1: sometimes. Well, it works for the people that make it, which is, yeah. you know, the 1% or whatever.
0: Well, not every worthy person is worthy
1: of of being elevated. Well that's true, especially if you look at Hollywood or some certain sports stars that right. are all drugged out or doing whatever they're doing.
0: Well you know me
1: mm-hmm.
0: you were talking about soccer and there's those, still those soccer players that hit the news because they have a view on something, or they did something, and that has nothing to do with who they are or what they are, but it's celebrity for its own sake, and so people try to compete with that, you know, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's always comes up, alright,
1: let's go to the second set. Before. Yeah, this one—the uh, second and the third ones were much more challenging to me. I mean, the first okay. one is just kind of the antithesis of what we live by. But I think, as principles, they're all very—you know—I like—I I, I like the sentiment. I think it's well—they're—they're
0: they're very much similar to in Buddhism what they call the middle way.
1: Okay, and also it's very Chinese, right, isn't it? I mean, people don't try to elevate themselves above others, at least to Mm -hmm. a larger extent than in our society, so...
0: Well, you know, the middle way is kind of moderation in all things, and so (laughs) it kind of works like SSRIs, Prozac, where you don't have any highs, but you also don't have any lows. And so by going in the middle, you kind of get a little bit of the best of everything. Um, but of course, unlike medications, you can choose to take
1: bolder actions when necessary. I wonder though, if this is really, is that the middle? Because if it's the middle, then what's the bottom? You know what I'm saying? Like if, it, yeah. if that's the middle way, what's the bottom way? Is that just being horrid or something? Or having well, absolutely people, no ambition? And... Well,
0: people acting like thieves
1: is the bottom and then value having a society that values goods and people that have accumulate lots of goods would be the top i guess in a sense yeah bad top i see
0: well it's a it's a top that doesn't mean anything you know it's like you know the actual value of salt or the actual value of diamonds it's it's kind of an illusion it's a story right and so you have people acting like thieves at the bottom because of a story when if you don't have as many of things that are that are valued beyond their true value it's easier to see things that have you know more of a real value I would guess and of course well by not displaying the desirable you bring about the people who will not be confused and I think what they're talking about there is envy. Is think it says in the other translations? Undisturbed, unsettled
1: mind. Oh, it's easy enough to, trans, to, to interpret displaying the desirable people get confused by their feelings because they, they want things that they may not otherwise even think about you know when you have lots of uh, advertising that kind of sexualizes women completely then men turn yeah. into horny bastards and that's kind of you know that could be considered a confused way to live well right well, they do
0: that at first, but then they become desensitized, which is also not good.
1: Even more confusing. Yeah, making for more confusion. So yeah. Hmm. You know, on the other hand, it's I mean it's it's there is an interesting contrast here because in some sense it's almost logical to think the worthy deserve to be elevated. Goods that are hard to obtain deserve to be valued, and. The desirable deserves to be displayed because that's those are the things that are kind of maybe it's just my very Western notion, but there seems to be like an inherent good in some of those things. Right, ambition.
0: Yeah, they kind of speak to ambition. And
1: well, not I'm talking about maybe the uh, a a different side of like worthy could be. Martin Luther King Jr. or something. Right. Of course you want to elevate somebody like that. He's... So... So... You know... How do you decide who the worthy are? Or Maybe that's the bigger issue than not elevating the worthy. I don't know. You know what, you see yeah. what I'm saying though? Like... Right. Uh, you could elevate Martin Luther King because you feel that he's worthy or Mahatma Gandhi or... Uh, Lao... Whatever his name is. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu, yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, Lao. And, yeah. Uh, oh, he's got his not care. But... Uh,
0: well, I'm thinking, maybe not in this chapter, but in the future chapters, maybe they will come back to that, word, that concept of competing and competition, because uh, and I think it's something that requires nuance, because I know one of the things that, you know, I'm not like a terribly competitive person in some ways, but in other ways I'm very competitive, like, but made up competition like games just don't interest me at all you know and so which is weird because if you think of competition and, and winning and whatnot as a stimulation well <laughs> it, you know it's, it's like masturbation you're kind of doing it without really doing it you're competing without any really anything at stake
1: oh well, I don't know about that I've done both and I think masturbating has a different sort of reward at the end and watching the game, for me at least. Well, it's stimulation. Maybe they don't come at the end of a soccer game. <laughs>
0: well, but it's stimulation, right? Well, yeah. It gets you all worked up and, you know, I know people that watch a sporting game and they jump up and down and they yell and they
1: holler and they get all,
0: you know, worked up and it's very stimulating for them.
1: I think, as I've mentioned to you in the past, that for me, watching sports, particularly soccer, is almost the perfect way to express competition or to enjoy competition because it's meaningless, ultimately. So right. I can get as excited as I want, but at the end of the day, if my if, if my team loses every single game, I still go home. I still you know hang out with my wife. I still eat my dinner. Everything's well, like it was. Same
0: thing's true of masturbation. There's, there's, <laughs> you're not risking anything. You know, risking involvement, pregnancy, disease, and you're getting so I see a, a similar experience, it. a similar experience to real sex. But uh,
1: anyway.
0: anyway, so that's how did that happen? So, so anyway, we were talking about competition. So, hopefully, there will be more on that later. Let's go to the second stanza, or whatever you want to call it. Therefore, in the government of the sage, he empties their minds, he fills their bellies, weakens their ambition,
1: and strengthens their bones. Yeah, you know, it's... It almost seems like a philosophy to me of a third world country or something. It seems like a philosophy of a country that has nothing to offer. But but I don't know, is the the government of the sage, what is that? That's where I guess I should start because I don't know what that means.
0: Well, yeah, um... What I, my assumption is that that just means if if a sage were to run a country, which doesn't really happen that often,
1: well, is that a because it's usually very ambitious, and competitive people that run countries. Is the sage is the ideal condition of a society to have the sage running it if you can get there without being ambitious and competitive, though, or under if you know that's part of the. Well, I think. It, or... I think
0: in this model, okay. it's, it's a model, not a you know, not a, an absolute guidebook. It's not a you know, it's not the same as a, you know, an interpretation of the
1: King James Bible where mm-hmm. everything
0: you know is absolute. I think it's a suggestion.
1: But, but it, to me, that the way they describe the government of the sage almost seems like a way to, I mean, it almost sounds like maybe, you know, Castro or something. It's like, uh, you don't want people to think, you don't want them to be ambitious, you want them to be strong. Okay, that's yeah. right. but my whole, my, the fascinating part of life to me is the way that we interact with the world and the intellectual part of it. And it's almost like sapping. Yeah, there again, this one I think talks about the
0: macro and not down to the individual level. Uh, you know, he empties their minds, and I think that goes back to this last sentence of the first part, which is confusion. I think it empties their minds of confusion,
1: so you want to have things as simple as possible. And uh, Well, except that he puts that in contrast with filling the belly. So, emptying the mind and filling the belly implies to me... Get rid of maybe not the spiritual, but at least the intellectual, and promote the physical. Make sure everybody has their physical needs met, but don't worry about their kind of beyond that. You know, that, that's kind of how I read those two together, because they are because then yeah, it weakens see. their ambitions, contrasted with strengthening their bones. Sort of the same idea. You want people to be strong, but you don't want them to use their strength to try to try to get ahead I suppose or try to well,
0: now, compete what comes to mind for me is empties their minds and fills their bellies is that you know a house a car and two chickens in the pot is that you know life is just a straightforward thing because of the way the sage you know sets up the government and runs it is that you know your your life is is, is simple of worry you know, empty uh, empty their minds and I think you know in apprentices of worry <laughs> would be you know you, sh- you show up and you do your job and then you go back home and there's plenty of food mm. um, I mean it's, that's just my first impression of that
1: a few of them use um, heart instead of mind so the use right. a heart
0: Right. And other
1: parts and stuff in your bellies, which is, goes more to the desires, I think, right? And passions and concerns. Maybe the confusion, because you're not gonna be confused mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't have a screwed up heart, or whatever the expression is there. But, I, but still it seems to me that's kind of a this is the darkest passage I to me yeah. it yeah strikes me as being the darkest Yeah, thing it, does, I've read
0: it is so far. It is, yeah, and it's it's very yeah. not Western, like you were saying especially, you know, weakens their ambition. Now, you know, like you were saying, our our whole society is built on competition and and striving to improve and be better than other people. But you you can also strive not not to be better than other people and still strive to improve. weakens their ambition. I think that speaks back to the competition thing.
1: And then there's, a, I mean, that for me that raises a whole other issue. It's almost like asking, are there, I wouldn't call them mutants, but let's call them mutants for the moment. Are there mutants in every society that we're glad they act the way they do because it allows the rest of us to not be ambitious, almost. I mean, like the, because somebody's got to run things, there's got to be some organization there has to be businesses like uh, maybe there doesn't i mean i think in a modern society you pretty much just you know again going back to the days of Lao Tzu, maybe you, know, you didn't need to organize a business now well I, I guess i take it for granted that innovation and change and people creating new things is kind of exciting and interesting well Maybe yeah. So, uh, and, so and viewed with all you know, that kind of a with, thinking, maybe but. right.
0: And so this kind of goes back from what you were saying about you know having individual people in the society that are the signposts or the rallying points. Those would be the worthy people. And so, yeah. So, if you have a few worthy people, but you don't, you know, elevate them too high, they get they get all those things done.
1: Is there? is there an example that you can think of i mean <laughs> kind of ironic to try to ask this question or to, to try to figure this out because if they're not elevated you wouldn't know about them but is there an example yeah. that you know of someone that's very worthy but hasn't been elevated i'm just trying to think of that's because of it seems like kind of a oh. unsung heroes right uh, well, I don't know because an un- sometimes heroes aren't heroic. They just did something. They were in the right place or the wrong place, or whatever, at the right time, the wrong time. You know, the 9/11. A guy gets clobbered by a building. And he's, now he's a hero. I'm not trying to belittle what people did, but he was the same guy yesterday when he wasn't a hero and he was just doing his job and then he died. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, maybe he was a really bad guy. Maybe he beat up his wife every night and now he's a hero.
0: I think because we get bombarded by these sensational things, these sensational life and death things so much that it's easy to f- focus on those as being like more than just a tiny percentage of what happens in the world. Because... So
1: you're looking at well, heroism as maybe a di- just well, the way you live your well, daily life? Well, no, as, as
0: being this worthy person who is who is Not competitive, heroism. who is, you know, worthy and who is uh, competitive and ambitious. For the rest of us. Uh, The one that has been recently, because it's so hot here, there's little meme things saying what a cool guy that carrier guy was because he invented air conditioning. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sure he probably died wealthy, but other than that, he's not, like, hugely overvalued as a person otherwise. But, you know, he changed you know, people's lives for the better immeasurably, you know.
1: So the weakening of the ambition and emptying of the minds is basically more for the, kind of the masses. Yeah. Which, I mean, when you look at our political system now, today, uh-huh.
0: uh,
1: it's kind of like what the founding fathers of America talked about. They thought democracy was madness. Yeah. And maybe kind of for the same reason. They didn't trust the, the masses. You know, the masses are... Well, Knuckleheads, like, I guess. Right. Is idea. Well, That's you know... It's kind of a
0: thing to say. You know, I'm, it, it's kind of more complicated the last few months, but before the last few months, they had that, that thing going around where certain political-leaning people uh, vote against their best interest because they have this ideology thing that, you know, that... that winners you know that that hard work and and you know being a certain kind of a winner is what it's all about even though they're never going to be that they don't do the things that a person like that does yet you know they they talk down people that aren't like that um you know they um uh, the uh you know, voting for politicians that talk about, you know, cutting taxes on wealthy people because, well, they earned it, they deserve it. Well, they're, we're all part of the system, they're just at one end of it, is one, my way of looking at it. But, you know, the mm-hmm. other way of looking at it is that, no, ambition is what we all strive for, and if we cut their ability to have ambition, even though yeah, raising their
1: taxes, they'll still be super, super rich. Um, they might even be more ambitious because now they have to earn more to keep the same amount. Well, that—that's true too. But I, yeah, I guess my my outlook on just on society in general, if, if I try to drop it into this kind of framework, it would be more like society is organized, and you know, society is so much more complicated now, I'm sure, than it was when this was written. But society is organized to make. This is not my theory. It's yeah, you know, economic philosopher named John Rawls, or maybe Verna. But his basic one of his basic concepts is the, the basic idea of a society is to make the worst off people better off. So I guess that has two parts. You have to identify who the worst off people are, and then you have to, then you try to make them better off. And if you're always focused on that as a society, then you're basically kind of just raising yourself all, up all the boats, time. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, well, right.
0: unfortunately, yeah. Well. And so... That all boats theory, unfortunately, <laughs> is not real popular with, you know, a certain segment. And I think it's... Because they get... No, so
1: no it's, it's almost... It's a very socialistic idea. And I know it's yeah. not very popular in America. It's more, much more popular in Europe, I
0: think. Right. Well, you know, and it's... You know, it pushes pushes the boat from the other end. You know? <laughs> because instead of it being top-down, it's bottom-up. Okay. You know, and yeah. the people that theorize that... $15 an hour minimum wage is good for everybody, that's their whole argument, is that bottom-up is better because if your average working-class person has more money in their pocket, they spend more money, which means more businesses can open and more commerce will happen on the local level. And uh, But then, you know, other people, no, 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 screw those people. <laughs> you know, make sure the rich people have all that money because they... Will have lots of money and can open businesses, but there's no, but the people that would use those services don't have
1: money. They have seven dollar an hour jobs at that business. Right. Well, even Henry Ford, that was his idea: was you pay your workers a lot, so you'll have a strong middle class, so they can afford to buy the buy a car. He's a pretty conservative guy. (laughs) Yeah. So so I'm trying to figure out how like that kind of philosophy would dovetails with what. What Lao Tzu is saying here which is this is really kind of dark and disturbing to me the whole thing about emptying their minds it almost it sounds kind of sinister to me I guess almost yeah Orwellian right why would you want to empty people's minds and then if you go into the next the next three clauses or the next three sentences it kind of doubles down on it and you know, so he's emptying their minds, so he's causing them to be without knowledge, and he's emptying their ambition, or weakening their ambition, so they'll be without desire. So then, and and then he says, that if he can bring it about the, those with knowledge, a few that do still have knowledge after all that effort, simply do not dare to act, because they don't have any ambition, then there is nothing that will not be in order. That almost seems to be like like a prison or something. I don't know if Keep empty, a really,
0: keeps empty their hearts, yeah.
1: And I, I must be I missing this, something
0: uh, yeah, cultural. I a, yeah, it's a, I think it's an older way of expressing s- something that, because I, you know, it doesn't really jive with everything else. That there would be an extreme. I mean, everything so far. I mean, this is only chapter three, but right. they go for moderation is a kind of a theme.
1: And uh, well, I don't. don't you you might be looking at this with your. From the Buddhist perspective, because I haven't really noticed moderation so much as maybe opposites. Well, being aware of opposites can't help but to moderate you. Well, not necessarily. You could be aware of the opposites so that you could strive for one end of this that spectrum. And I don't think there's been much in the way of elucidation yet. Maybe yeah. It's coming, but as to where you should kind of try to fall within, except. Here, you know, within within the scales, and here the well, you know, this might be this might be one of
0: those things. You know, they, these friends of mine that are just hardcore Shakespeare people, they will recount a passage and they'll point out like fourteen levels of conversation going on in what would seem to be a simple conversation. So this could be this chapter is talking about mediation going for the middle in relation to the previous chapters where they're talking about extreme because where you you know you talk about he empties their minds well according to chapter 2 you know you have empty and you have full and you know in order to have empty you have to have full and so if he empties their minds I think the way humans work they're going to refill
1: so he doesn't completely empty them.
0: I think it's it's more like unburdens them.
1: Yeah, but every translation uses the word empty.
0: Yeah, it does, and that empty, may just empty, be empty. a limitation
1: of the language. Except one that says he keeps their hearts vacuous. But instead of we, we emptying their mind, uses the heart. That's one of the ones that uses heart. But keeps right. their hearts vacuous. That's even kind of more extreme. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're all talking about emptying, and, and to me, if it's empty, even if it refills, the ideal is to continue to empty it.
0: Well, it also could be a limitation of the times because the... this was before the Western idea of individual identity so it's you know empties their minds it's kind of a yeah Orwellian kind of a thing of treating people like you know a herd of sheep
1: that's what it sounds like to me yeah but, but having said that now I have traveled to Cuba and in Cuba there is a higher degree of censorship than there is in the United States yeah but there's also, it's almost kind of like they're living the Taoist philosophy, which seems to have kind of a relationship to communism in some ways right. to me. But um, in Cuba, people that I met there, and I talked to maybe dozens of people, Not you know, so this is not like I'm some kind of a social scientist and I know anything, but the people that I talked to there, my, my, my take on it is that people there are very... Well off at a basic level, you don't right. see people laying around like in many other third world countries, like laying in the doorway, just you know, yeah. flies on them, whatever. I mean, pe- yeah. everyone seems to be pretty well dressed. They seem to be well fed, but on the other hand, and they and they, there's a lot of people who get a lot of education there. Maybe not right. in political things, but I mean, there's right. higher, way higher percentages of doctors and college degree. And everybody's literate. Everybody's literate. Literacy yeah. rates are probably very close to 100%. yet. The pe- you know so you have an educated people who are really controlled in lots of ways that are weird like you can't buy or sell property right so what happens is the people whose kids leave home and then there's another young family that's now having kids right. the family with the kids is living in a small house the family where the kids just left home is living in a big house they want to trade they're allowed to trade under the communist rules but they're not allowed to exchange any money. So they go to a park, mm-hmm. and they negotiate a black market deal with each other outside of the. And they have to go to a park if they're like around other people that can hear their, overhear the conversation. People are encouraged to write on their neighbors, right? Right. When they're breaking the rules, and that's how you kind of elevate yourself in that society. So there's right. that element of ambition, but so you get these really weird results of people who are pretty well off but they are being suppressed at some level as well to be not too well off. Okay, so... And then, but my my question to myself when I saw that was, is that a good thing? Well... But from my perspective, growing up in America, you always think, oh, no, no, it's a bad thing, but, you know, you go to... live a decent life. Haiti or something, and you see all the abject poverty, you kind of wonder, it's like, well... Okay, Okay, well, now, when you you
0: mentioned censorship, it, it occurred to me that we, we are taking it as meaning empty their, their minds from the top down what if it's from the bottom up we're supplying they filling their bellies and supplying all their basic needs so they don't have to worry about things you know the political system and all that stuff is you know we really obsess on it more than you know our obsessing on it doesn't change anything you know it's we do that for entertainment more than anything else, and um, you know, and that's why it's gotten so intense. I think this year is because it's more intense sensation
1: for everybody. Um, well, I don't know. It seems, it still seems to me like it's an ideal that this is that you're trying to empty the minds and. I'm still, I, I, I mean, it just seems dark to me, but I can, I, I wonder, you know, is that just because we're so, uh, maybe it's because you're right and it's a bottom-up thing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, read that kind of modernity, maybe, or whatever it is into it. Right. But, but, you know, and I still, you wonder, under my question to myself, still thinking emptying your minds means from the top down, It's that a good thing under some circumstances in some societies at some point in yeah. time? Is it a good thing not to have elevating worthy people? You know, we can't even begin to imagine what a society would be like in that under those circumstances. Sort of can't even begin to imagine. Right. Because we're such entirely opposite of that.
0: But if you extend the, the bottom up theory to weakens their ambition. By, we can,
1: by strengthening their bones, basically.
0: By strengthening, yeah, their bones. Their the infrastructure is in there that the sage has put forth, and so, you know, it it doesn't eliminate ambition, it just weakens the necessity for it, Um, and of course, you know, in our society today, that really worries a lot of people, that if a segment of the population isn't all striving like little fish going, you know, like salmon going upstream, that the whole thing will collapse,
1: I can say that in my own personal life, since I have really kind of abandoned my own ambitions, yeah, it's been a good thing. It's been a very positive thing for me, personally. Yeah. Not worrying about trying to do something big or something permanent, you know, yeah. make a lasting impression on the world. Right. If you don't give a shit about that. It's just kind of daily living a lot more pleasant. Yeah. And... You know, maybe, maybe again, maybe emptying their minds could mean emptying their minds of certain things, of the need for competition, or the need to act like a thief, or the need to be confused. You know, maybe it's not a complete emptying of the creative aspect of the mind, but more just those kinds of the things that they're talking about at the beginning of the of the verse or the chapter.
0: Yeah. So. Now, the thing is, if, if it is talking bottom-up, or assuming that we understand it is bottom-up, um, what is, you know, what, that kind of creates a vacuum at the other end of uh, some aggressive country or whatever can come in and just subjugate
1: all these people that are all mellowed out. Well, we're an aggressive person within the same right society. Either way, you're right. Yeah, so... Well, except that they're physical. You know, strengthening the bones, I mean, you still have soldiers, I suppose, as long as they're not self-serving. Well, you do all
0: these things, but not in such a way that makes people soft, right? Strengthen their bones. They're still strong, they're still capable, functioning people that can do what needs to be done, but they don't have a lot of unnecessary worries, I don't know what you know 2300 years ago what infrastructure really was you know and they had roads I guess and some aqueducts and Robles, things
1: rice fields well I don't know if they had rice yeah you know and some sort of agriculture system yeah though. definitely agriculture yeah, I don't know much about early China I didn't even know when paper was invented
0: but We go to the third one, it gets back to the dark, if you want to assume it that way. It constantly causes the people to be without knowledge and without desires. Without knowledge and without desires, really? Uh, If you can bring it about that those with knowledge simply do not dare to act, then there is nothing that will not be in order.
1: Yeah, it's... uh... The world without desires would seem to be pretty bland.
0: Right. Right. You know, and that's kind of was the the thing, at least uh, the propaganda told me that that was the thing that led to uh, communism in Russia kind of not really working out after a while. It was just too boring. It's all about standing in line. I mean, that's the story we were told. And, uh, you know, drinking lots of vodka is the only escape from the monotony.
1: Huh.
0: But, you know, that's what it's we were also told. Cold there. Yeah, well, yeah, a little, a little vodka might help with that. But then it reminds me, though, that in the previous one, it was talking about not not, not striving and the, the Tao will fill in the, the spaces.
1: Um... Striving. I don't remember that particular part of the passage. Oh, well, the word "striving" wasn't in there, but it was chapter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should bring uh, the first couple of chapters along with us next time. So more we'll points of <laughs> reference. reference. Right. Lots of points of reference. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is like a lot of things
0: where people rarely start at the beginning and go to the end. It's one of those things people just sort of, you know, the reference will look up, well, what does it have to say about war? What does it have to say about baked goods? Sure, it
1: doesn't really... Yeah, but still, it was written this way. But even within the one little chapter that we read, there's... Well, I suppose these are all related, actually, but it seemed like last week they were kind of like haphazardly thrown together. These seem more like they're all related.
0: Okay, so here's another one, a popular one, the fang in English. Um, By weakening ambitions and strengthening bones. If if men lack knowledge and desire, then clever people will not try to interfere. If nothing is done, then all will be well. <laughs> so that's a little different take on it. It's like sometimes people are too darn clever.
1: Well, and if you look at the query... Translation is much more in line with what you just read. It makes the yeah. sophisticated not dare to contrive. Right. And even the Lin translation, the cunning shall not presume to interfere. So it's all about trying to keep the ones who are described in the first three sentences from getting in the way of the sage, but it seems a bit self serving to me still. Right, right. Yeah, and I can't see a way to turn this one around to bottom (laughs) up. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the top guy saying, stay off of my turf. Yeah. And there's some, there's a lot, and again, that's why I'm saying it's a cultural bias that we have, I think, where it's really hard to kind of really buy into that.
0: Yeah, now, you know, I don't know how much this kind of thing has influenced, the Japanese are different than the Chinese, you know, culturally, but they have that the, the Japanese have that thing where they are so reserved and they have a very strict hierarchy and that whole honor thing you know even today is still a thing right whereas you know here some people have it some people don't and it's pretty much a hodgepodge
1: well right but even if you compare us to Europe which is not nearly I don't think they have quite the hierarchical structure as Japan but yeah there's still more of it than there is here there's lords in England right of manners or whatever right they've been lords forever because they're lords
0: right and if you go
1: we don't have that I haven't so much
0: I think I have a copy of it somewhere but I just didn't have the heart to read uh, The Art of War which is you know popular with hardcore capitalists and uh, yeah but still you know that that is a the, the, the parts that I have read is very much what a a military leader the art of war is very much about everybody below following orders and chain of command and they go to some pretty extreme lengths to reinforce that in everybody what we would call terrorism and abuse now but um, so in a way just for this as a kind of indirect way of of getting people to toe the line by just limiting knowledge and controlling clever people. You know, discord and dissonance will be minimized. And there's some truth to that.
1: Well, and it occurs to me that in China they still have... they're still attempting to certain internet influences out of the society. Right. So they still have a bit of that kind of idea, even in information age.
0: Right. And well changes
1: everything. The information age changes everything. You can't you really can't kind of abide by this set of rulers in an information age.
0: Well, you know, when when Mao came in and took away everybody's rights essentially and made everybody just, you know, a servant of the state wasn't that huge of a change for a lot of people, especially the people that lived in that country. Right. You know, because they kind of lived by the rule of nature before and they continue to do so. But nature is pretty absolute, you know, in the way it runs things. You kind of either have to obey nature or you kind of suffer a lot. Um... So I could see where in China, you know, there's a long history of that, of, of you know, obeying the chain of command in their society. I know that I, uh, it was a year or two years ago, I just, after so many years of hearing about the good earth, I finally read the good earth right. and it gave a picture of what China was like, I don't know, a hundred, 150 years ago. And, you know, you had your individual people that through ambition and work and whatnot created these little fiefdoms that were based on money. And, you know, and then they had, you know, they were a subset of a larger one and which, you know, would be kind of a trade organization now. But, you know, back then, but it was very much the guy in charge of
1: his little fiefdom was the guy. Well, and they would have big households, like, A big, like lots of people yeah, right, right. who were dependent on them for their well-being. Well, you know, the, the main character... Like lots of servants and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, the, the main character
0: of started off talking about how it was going, He was it was his wedding day, the The wife that had been chosen for him, he was going to finally meet and marry that day, and we might as well break out the good tea. Yeah. And that was like their biggest treat of their life was the good tea as opposed to the regular tea. And, you know, that was their only luxury, really. I mean, they lived in a a hot lean-to thing and they'd done it for generations and all that. But then slowly, you know, he thought of ways to be ambitious and, you know, work really hard and make money to buy more land. And then he ended up having, yeah, a big house with lots of servants and um, a couple of mistresses. I mean, that was the standard thing then. And it all changed. <laughs> that sounds like desire
1: and ambition. And-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's still that top-down thing, just in a sort of Catholic and Not so much the, you know... I don't think the Taoists the, the da- the were ever in charge in China. Right. But, um, but it's still a, a cultural thing that, you know, I think they still have... Whereas here, everybody came here and invented it as they went along. So, you know.
1: Well, I'd say that's a wrap.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Thomas Brill, for your uh, insights. Thank you, Brian Parks, for your insights. And we'll be back next time. Thank you.